The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In Discussion. Our guest today, Councillor Bob Littlefield, representing the Scottsdale City Council, debating over the challenges faced by municipal and national governmental agencies during a time of economic crisis, demanding profound strategies in causing the rebirth of our nation and world community. Welcome to In Discussion. Uh, delighted to have you join us today, and I'm equally pleased to have Councillor Littlefield joining us from the Scottsdale City Council today. We're going to be talking about the economy and uh, the makeup of uh, Scottsdale City Council in the greater, uh, greater metropolitan Phoenix area and uh, discussing the issues uh, that we are all facing today and seeing how uh, this city council is uh, working with the issues that they have in hand, uh, particularly in light of the, the tough conditions that we're all experiencing. Uh, welcome to you, Bob. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Uh, can you give me a bit of a background uh, on yourself to start with, and then, then we'll move into the, the larger issues of, of, uh, of the city council? Uh, yeah, thank you. I uh, have lived in Arizona since 1956. I grew up here, um, spent some time in the U.S. military uh, in Vietnam, uh, got an engineering degree here at Arizona State in Tempe. Um, then I spent 30 years in the computer industry, culminating in owning my own company, which I sold at uh, the end of 1999. And after that, I got involved in a number of community issues. And in the 2002, I ran for the Scottsdale City Council and was elected. What today, given the, the state of the economy, uh, and we can be frank about this, that it's, it's not good, and uh, we're all facing some very tough conditions, and, and I don't know whether you would, would be on the same page as it were with me, but it seems that we, we haven't seen these sorts of conditions possibly since the post-war years. How, how is the, the Scottsdale City Council uh, approaching these, these conditions, and, uh, and is it reaching out to, to other cities in, in the greater metropolitan Phoenix area, and indeed further beyond that to identify how uh, we can become a, a larger community and, 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 and really work on uh, these issues jointly? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you're right. Uh, Scottsdale was incorporated 50-some uh, years ago, so relatively young. Uh, but this is actually the first time in the history of Scottsdale since it became a city that we've experienced an actual decline in city tax revenues. We had some flattening out after 9-11, but this is the first time where we've actually seen a decline. Uh, and on top of that, of course, is the fact that in Arizona – Cities, municipalities, all government entities in Arizona are required to have balanced budgets, so we don't have deficit spending. Um, so you're exactly correct. This has been a very trying two years, and it doesn't look like it's going to get much better in the near term. All of the cities in our area, Maricopa County, 
Phoenix, Scottsdale, uh, all of the other communities have the same problem. Actually, Scottsdale is relatively well positioned. We're an affluent community. We've always been a net importer of shoppers. And as, of course, you know, in uh, Arizona, municipalities are funded mostly by sales tax revenues. Uh, some small amount of property tax, although in Arizona property tax goes mostly to schools. We don't have a city income tax. We do get some money from the state in lieu of a city in- income tax. So Ar- uh, Scottsdale has been well positioned in one sense in that uh, we have always been relatively affluent. We always have our net importer of shoppers who generate sales tax revenue. And Scottsdale has always had a very, very active and aggressive tourism strategy and that tourism has served us well over the years in terms of the amount of money it's bought us. Unfortunately this year you won't be surprised to hear tourism's down 38 percent. So all of the cities in Arizona are experiencing some kind of financial crisis. Scottsdale is better equipped than most because we did have reserves put away, more reserves than some of our uh, compatriots. Uh, Also, I would say uh, that we on the city council were very proactive in recognizing that this was going to happen and in cutting expenses early on, cutting staff, uh, cutting expenses, cutting what I would consider to be waste. And so even though uh, revenues are down, we've managed to maintain our balanced budget without borrowing. Um, We didn't have to lay off any police or fire. We didn't have to cut into basic services. So I would say we've done a pretty good job, but next year is going to be challenging again. It's going to be extremely tough uh, all over the state. What's the what's the bigger issues here? Uh, obviously, uh, I can look at the European Union um, as much as I can uh, to the United States and, and see for the first time common issues. Uh, back in Great Britain, we saw the decline of the manufacturing base uh, from the late 60s onwards, uh, at which point we, we lost our car manufacturing, our shipbuilding, uh, steel. Yes. Um, what is that going to do for this country? How can uh, any country uh, exist just on a financial or, or a service sector? And Scottsdale clearly is very affluent. Um, it, it's many times by friends of mine regarded as the sort of Beverly Hills of Phoenix. Um, but but even so, how can it, it maintain its position if uh, the manufacturing base of this country is going to be de- degraded so much, and it, and it clearly has been? Uh, how, how are you going to uh, uh, have a strategy for that? Well, um, that's that's an interesting question. I'm part of the city council's economic subcommittee, and uh, first of all, from the bottom up, you you mentioned regional cooperation earlier. Absolutely, Scottsdale. Uh, we cooperate with the city of Phoenix. We cooperate with Paradise Valley. I'm mentioning for your listeners other cities that are towns that are around us are, are the Indian community to especially on things like tourism and transportation so yeah we understand that we're part of a region we're not just we're not just our own little isolated entity we're part of a region so scottsdale is quite active in regional cooperation on a number of issues that have to do with that uh, transportation economy uh environment pollution all that now to the bigger question uh that is a huge problem 
because we are at the mercy to some extent of economic forces that are well beyond the control of those of us on the Scottsdale City Council. The state of Arizona is uh, actually, of all the 50 states, Arizona is the second worst off after California in terms of uh, the state budget crisis. That will have a huge impact on the city of Scottsdale because, as I said, we get 50-some million dollars a year from the state in something called state shared revenue, which was uh, put in decades ago as a way for the state to encourage cities not to have municipal income taxes the way they do in places like New York. Uh, Certainly with the state's fiscal crisis this year, it's clear that we're going to see a cutback in those funds. At the larger level, moving on up macro-wise, you're exactly correct. Uh, Just as happened to uh, the U.K., Uh, decades ago, the United States is now becoming less and less competitive in manufacturing. More and more manufacturing for decades has been moving to other countries, uh, Mexico, Asia, I I mean, you know, the obvious uh, uh, where where that goes. And that is a problem because you can't live on a total service sector. That's That's just economically impossible. At some level, there has to be basic productive activity. And what's basic productive activity? Agriculture and manufacturing. Everything else, if you think about it, above and beyond manufacturing and and agriculture is overhead of some kind. So you have to have those things, and we can't really outsource all of that. Now, I would like to – in America, if you look at productivity, we have managed – even though we've lost manufacturing jobs – and even though we've lo- uh, we have lost manufacturing jobs, we're still actually doing well in terms of manufacturing input or uh, manufacturing output. So that being the case, uh, we have managed to sort of tread water, but that's not going to continue. And uh, the, the national trends are such that you're absolutely correct. If the United States at a, at a country level doesn't do something about that in a hurry, Um, that's going to become a giant problem, and it's going to trickle down to all of us. Asking a very generalized question here. Sure. If you look at Scottsdale, if you look at the layout of Scottsdale, and I've lived here since 1990, there's been huge investment in in the transportation system, in the highways. Yes. Um, There's debate over the the, the tram system. Mm it, it seems to me that uh, education is suffering. Uh, would that be correct in Scottsdale? There, there seems to be a, uh, a, a lot of teachers that are losing their jobs, uh, less uh, investment in education, and, and, and this may just be, as I say, a generalization, but there's an awful lot of money put into the road system, into the highway system. It, it, how, how does that work? What, what is the, the methodology behind that? Well, it's interesting you should mention it because I think in the 2010 elections in Arizona, the question of education funding may be the dominant issue. It, uh, the state, uh, and not to get not to get too complicated, but in Arizona, uh, in America, education is supposed to be funded at the local level. But over the last 30, 40 years, more and more of education funding decisions have been moved up to state and federal levels. Unfortunately, in my mind, that has not really improved the state of education. It's created more uh, bureaucracy and overhead. And it was a decision here in Arizona uh, years ago that moved the decisions about school funding from the local level to the state level, which I think has been a disaster. 
So I don't think that because of that we have been getting I – th- I think the amount of education we've been getting for dollar invested has been decreasing because more of those dollars, education dollars, are going to overhead. Now, as long as education funding was constantly increasing, then that uh, problem didn't manifest itself uh, quite so obviously. But now – when the education funding is actually decreasing, and I don't mean just a decrease in the rate of growth, I mean actual decreases in the amount of money going into education, I think you are seeing an impact on education. And I believe that one of the problems that incumbent legislators and anybody in state government is going to have when they're up for re-election in 2010 is I think the voters are unhappy about that. And I think they're going to uh, revolt and uh, they're going to say, wait a second, guys, cut something besides education. So I would agree with you. I think that's a, a big problem. The universities have been cut. We're cutting at the high school. Uh, we're cutting out all day kindergarten. So, yes, that is uh, – but that's statewide. I, I, have to, I, I have to follow up on a comment that you made earlier uh, mm-hmm. that you seem to be um, – fairly insistent that next year was going to be a bad year again. Um, is it is it possibly going to be uh, as bad or worse than this year? Because it seems to me, having look at, uh, looked at past cycles, that, uh, especially in the UK, is that it's not so much the recessionary period, it's the fallout afterwards. Uh, and we see very high, high unemployment that, that may be stabilizing. But it is the fallout. So uh, at the Scottsdale City Council, do you, do you have uh, any forecast for that period of, of, of fallout and how, how much uh, further we could go in seeing job losses? Oh, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not a pretty picture. Also, I think mm-hmm. that part of the problem here is that looking at this in terms of uh, – all right, looking to the past un- – I think this recession is unlike past recessions. I think it's worse. Um, going back to your comment about manufacturing, that was very astute because the unemployment is not just going to cycle up and down. Much of the unemployment that the United States as a whole is suffering now, I believe, has become structural. It's not just that those jobs went away and then they're going to come back. Many of them will never come back. Uh, Arizona for decades has struggled as to what kind of a state we want to be. Uh, In the 19th century, we were all about mining and ranching. And then in the 20th century, we were a lot about agriculture when we built all the dams and the water systems. And then we were about tourism and retirement. Arizona has been a state where real estate development has been the dominant industry selling to people who are moving here to get away from cold places like Pennsylvania and Iowa to move here to retire or to start a new life. So Arizona has for decades, I remember in the 80s and 90s, those of us in the computer industry, we were trying to turn Arizona into the Silicon Desert to try to replicate what happened in Silicon Valley. And that didn't happen for a variety of reasons, because once we understood what happened there, we realized that you can't just remanufacture that somewhere else. But but isn't that a a difficulty with the perception of the valley Uh, when when companies, um, uh, whether it's from the west or east coast, look at Phoenix, they look at Arizona, really they just see a dry patch of land um, that, that needs a lot of water in the future. 
I agree. Uh, what, what are the incentives that, that the city of Scottsdale has or even the city of Phoenix has for uh, uh, um, uh, bringing industry into this, this state? Well, that it loops back to what I said. The question is, what do we want to be when we grow up? And that has been a subject of debate amongst politicians and community leaders in Arizona for at least as long as I've lived here. And the question becomes, what are we? Well, if you look at what we've been, it's a real estate-driven economy. Uh, that's been number one. Number two, tourism-driven, because it is a great state. You know, we have golf, we have Grand Camp, Sedona, all that. Um, and then it's also been a place to retire. And it's also been a place where we had low labor costs. So you had a lot of things like call centers. Well, those are all good, but they're not the kind of foundation that you can build, you know, your 21st century economy out of. So uh, we've always, over the years, tried to attract more high tech and solar and all that sort of thing. But one of the problems is I don't think there's a clear, consistent uh, vision amongst state leadership about what Arizona can do successfully to transition into a growth economy in the 21st century. And then when you compound that with all of the economic problems that we're having at the, at the uh, na national and at the world level, I mean, this is a world economy, I think it's a, it's a big problem. And I think that uh, we haven't solved that problem and we don't have that vision yet for Arizona. What happens when I grew up in England and I attended private school, mm -hmm. uh, we were always taught the most important people were farmers, uh, doctors, um, uh, I, I don't remember the other one, but they were always the most important people in our lives. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it seems to me that agriculture has been impacted hugely actually for the last 20 years. Um, we, we don't have that. Uh, now we're facing this huge decline in manufacturing. Yes. Uh, and there could be a point of no return in any nation where you, you close down manufacturing so much that you, you would never be able to rebuild it again. It's very much uh, as we saw in the 1960s, which was the worst thing that ever happened in, in the United Kingdom, uh, was we had apprenticeships. Uh, you know, the kids, if they uh, were not acceptable for university or for academia, at least they, they could go into apprenticeship. Yes. Um, but you don't have the manufacturing now. That's declined. You don't have the cottage, cottage industry. That's been impacted even now. Uh, what do we do about all these things? How, how do we handle all this? It, because it's an international issue now. And how does a city like Scottsdale reinvent itself? Because I'm sure that we'll have to reinvent ourselves in this country, in this world. There'll be a rebirth period, I'm sure. How are we going to overcome all these issues? And my most important point is, is that if you don't have manufacturing, you don't have productivity. Uh, the Scottsdale City Council, as, as any other council, is not going to be receiving tax revenue. Uh, is there a point at which you as a city councillor facing uh, a huge reduction in, in tax revenue where you may not even be able to uh, handle uh, uh, basic facilities? Well, <coughs> Scottsdale, um, first of all, you have two sides of that coin. One is what does Scottsdale in particular do? 
But as you pointed out, this is part of a much bigger problem, a state problem, national problem, worldwide problem. In the United States, if you look at manufacturing productivity over the last 20, 30 years, even though manufacturing jobs have decreased radically in the United States, manufacturing output has actually increased some because of increasing productivity. However, we've about wrung all that out. I think now we're going to get to a tipping point here fairly quickly at which you're actually going to see manufacturing output start to decline. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if next year when the statistics come out for this year, we see that that's already happened. And, and, and is that because we're going to have countries like China, uh, India, um, take up that slack because, oh, they're, because they're so competitive. Absolutely. And, and, and I was interested, and not to interrupt your train of thought, yeah. but I was interested because back in the United Kingdom, back in the Margaret Thatcher years, especially in the 80s, yeah. we saw the uh, core center uh, business grow up, the whole, that whole industry. Yes. Um, and uh, back in the, the 70s and 80s, we, we, after our um, uh, empire days, we had obviously invited a lot of uh, nationals from India and Pakistan into our country. And they were the ones who actually uh, manned these core centers in the United Kingdom. Well, in the United Kingdom now, I don't think we even have more than three core centers because they've, already, they've all gone back to India. Yes. Um, the huge uh, cycles here. Now, if if you're going to have the manufacturing offshore and you're going to have that service sector offshore, what do we have left here? That's exactly the problem. You've hit the nail on the head. And we can't continue <laughs> to... Um, we can't continue to let the decline of manufacturing jobs go on. That has to stop at some point. And I would say that the reason we've seen that happen, uh, some of it is, is simple cost, all right? The Chinese, uh, we'll just take them as an example, but they're not the only example. I mean, there are many other third and fourth world countries that are competing for this manufacturing business. Lower labor costs, fewer environmental regulations, uh, this, that, the other thing. Um, so all that really says is there's no free lunch. Well, for years and years, the United States managed to provide more benefits to workers and at the same time still be competitive in manufacturing by increasing productivity. The problem is we're getting to the point where that equation is about to tip. For instance, why I think one of the huge concerns I have about the federal government, uh, the Obama administration's health care plan, is that will, it will accelerate the decline in manufacturing jobs by making it more expensive to have employees. If you now, uh, if you have a, a manufacturing facility and all of a sudden you have your health care costs per employee double or triple or whatever, whether you have to pay that directly or through taxes, the incentive for you to have fewer employees and, or to outsource more activity is going to be high. So I think the Obama administration would be moving in the wrong direction on that. This is the worst possible time to make it more expensive to employ people. That's just a mistake regardless of whether you're Republican or Democrat. If I may, I'll respond to that. Sure. Um, it seems to me that the American dream, uh, the, the, the forefathers who came here, uh, built a nation where um, you had to work hard. You, yes. uh, you did not really get any help. 
um, I have to say in this country that that you you, you don't. There are the, they're not the systems in place as you would you would have in the UK or in European countries. I would agree. And and I suppose in a way that that gives people more strength and more incentive to to make a, a, a life. And and I'm guessing that that's what's made America so great. If you are now creating a system of social medicine, mm-hmm. uh, does that not uh, surely have a huge strain on the uh, economic uh, um, uh, paradigm in this country? But does it not does it not take away that American spirit to to do it yourself? Absolutely, and that's the problem I have. Um, one of the things about Mr. Obama is that he is he. See, I took him at his word in the election was that he was a transformative person. I don't think most Americans listened closely to him. I hear complaints from people that, well, we had no idea this is who he was. I don't, I don't think that's his fault. I thought what he's doing now was clearly outlined during his campaign. And I think he's transforming America, as he promised to do, but in a way that I think is a bad idea. Uh, he is literally taking away the kind of incentives that you mentioned. Um, and uh, without uh, getting into sloganeering, I believe that, yeah, there is a certain amount of – you're right. In America, the American dream was something that had to be earned. And when you have that kind of almost Darwinism, that also includes the possibility that maybe it won't happen for you. So some people are not going to be caught up by the safety net, and the price you pay for having a 100% complete safety net is a decrease in incentive, and that's just human nature. And I believe that is a problem, and I think that is exactly the problem I have. I believe Mr. Obama was totally honest about who he was, and that's why I voted against him. And I believe he's actually delivering on his promises. I'm not surprised at all, but I do agree that the things that he's doing, creating a more... Uh, uh, a, big, a bigger social safety net is going to make manufacturing more expensive, decrease incentive, uh, decrease investment, decrease the incentive for people to be entrepreneurial, and that, I believe, is bad for America. And that will eventually trickle down to us at the local level, too. How does that affect people in the street? <clears throat> it, it seems to me there's there's clearly a lot of think tanks who discuss the emotional status uh, of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think it's very clear that people are extremely worried. And they should uh, be. And, and people are very emotive at the moment. Uh, certainly in my world, I know a lot of people who are losing their houses, losing their mm-hmm. cars, losing everything. Uh, do you think that uh, this country has been affected uh, by the fact that we have literally taken God out of the Constitution? I mean, is there an ethical and moral dilemma that, that is part of this equation in the United States? I don't think it has to do with religion because Americans are still the most religious, uh, uh, religious, much more religious than Western Europeans. So I don't think there's really been a decline in religion. There might be a decline in morality, but I don't think there's a decline in religion because, you know, there's not a one-to-one mapping there. Um, obviously, there has been a decline in, I hate to use the word family values, but that's sort of that catch-all. And I'll give you an example. When I grew up in the 50s uh, my, and in the 60, early 60s, my parents got divorced, and I was a rarity. I was probably the only kid on my block where that happened. When my kids went to high school in the 90s, 
Uh, over half of their friends were products of divorce. Uh, drug use. I didn't know anybody in my high school who used drugs. Today, there's nowhere. Uh, you could go to any middle school kid in America and give them 200 bucks, and even if they're not drug users themselves, they would know where to go and, and get them. So I do believe uh, single-parent births way up from when I grew up 50 years ago. So I do believe that there's been a sea change in public behavior that has been bad for America. Um, I don't know whether that's a decline in religion. I don't think so because I think most people, Americans are still pretty religious, certainly compared to Western Europeans. But there has been a decline in that, and I believe that that's had a corrosive effect on society along with everything else. <clears throat> if, you, if you look at Scottsdale, mm -hmm. uh, you, you have a very affluent city. Relatively, yes. Uh, if you compare it to many of the other cities in the, in the greater metropolitan Phoenix area, does that give us a secular paradigm in what what is considered to be the sixth largest city in the United States? Uh, I, I can drive. I'm obviously an Englishman, so sure. if I drive from Scottsdale down to South Phoenix, it's, it for me it's driving across four counties. Yes, uh, but it's not that far in 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 America. Mm -hmm. um, in half an hour, I can go from Scottsdale and I can finish up in South Phoenix and and see really dreadful conditions. Absolutely. Uh, how, how does that make Scottsdale look? How, how does the Scottsdale City Council and, and, and the thinkers behind your image uh, work on that, um, that problem, perhaps? How, how does it uh, not insulate itself so that it can help not only itself, but, but the cities around the whole Phoenix area and perhaps beyond? Oh, I, I would say that the uh, answer to that is that those of us in city government understand that we're part of a region, and we uh, spend a lot of time on regional issues. All of us on the city council are involved in various regional initiatives. Um, I've been involved in regional initiatives in, regarding the environment. Uh, we have other uh, folks who are involved in regional initiatives on transportation. We have others who are involved in regional initiatives on social services. So we certainly feel that we're part of a broader community. I don't feel like we're, we're in ice. I mean, obviously my constituents would expect me to take care of Scottsdale, but we understand that taking care of them, for instance, roads. Uh, I have no problem with the fact that Scotts, people in Scottsdale pay taxes, that some of which go to build roads in other cities. Because just because I live in Scottsdale doesn't mean I only drive in Scottsdale. I, to drive down here today, I had to go across a couple of different city boundaries. So we certainly understand that regional cooperation on all of these issues, the environment, obviously uh, air quality can't just be a Scottsdale issue because uh, uh, air pollution uh, is all over the valley. And uh, if I generate dust in Scottsdale, that blows into Glendale. So I would say that we're actually, we actually do pretty well at that. Now, like all societies, the problem of, of the gap between rich and poor is, is, is an issue. What do you do about that? Well, I have yet to see any society that's adequately come to grips to that because I think it's kind of an ongoing problem. I would say that the American system has probably done, uh, or at least the American system pre-Obama or uh, pre uh, maybe back to the 50s has done a very good job 
of creating uh, that whole, what was it Kennedy said, rising tide, lifting all boats kind of thing. But it's not perfect. There are poor people in America, but there are also poor people in the UK, and there are probably poor people in Sweden. And uh, so um, I don't think anybody, any society has completely come up with that answer. But I will say that we in Scottsdale understand that we're part of a greater community, and we, we do attempt to act that way. What about the social issues in Scottsdale? Um, one of the things I noticed is that the, the kids obviously have more pocket money. Yes. Uh, my, my daughter attends uh, Mountainside uh, in, in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. There's clearly a lot of problems at school. Uh, there's, there, there's clearly the drug problems. And, mm-hmm. um, what, now, now, given that we possibly could see things get worse next year, and I'm sure that we will. Uh, what is it that the Scottsdale City Council can do to be more uh, um, out there, as it were, in the communities, to make sure that you don't have uh, social problems that are, are going to do nothing but elevate as people lose their wealth, uh, lose the money in their pockets? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm thinking that that may just happen. Yes. Um, are you? Do you have something... Uh, planned for that? Do you have a strategy for that mm-hmm. in case that it, it, it really does become quite bad? Yes. One of the things in Arizona, which I actually uh, – one of the parts about our system that I'm not fond of is that unlike in the eastern U.S., in Arizona, the schools and the cities are completely separate governmental entities. That's not true in a place like New York uh, where the cities and the schools are, are – uh, run by the same institutions. Here, the school district is completely separate from the city government. Now, having said that, though, one of the things I've always been a proponent of is that on city government, we do what we can to work with the schools. So, for instance, we provide uh, school resource officers. We provide police officers to the schools, not just to uh, keep order, but to help deal with the students and counsel them and talk to them about these kind of issues and deal with that. Um, when the school district ran into a budget crisis, their budget crisis started a lot earlier. Uh, back in 2003, I took the initiative to uh, have the city parks department help the schools to uh, maintain their grounds, their athletic fields, so that kids would still be able to play sports even though the schools couldn't afford to maintain the fields. So we in city government actually took up some of that slack. And my contention was that uh, if you're a city taxpayer, that was still a good investment for you for the same reason it's a good investment for everybody to pay for public schools because even if I didn't have kids in public schools or never went myself, I benefit from an educated populace. And I would say to the Scottsdale taxpayers, and I did, that we benefit from helping the schools to be able to keep their after-school programs open. Uh, Scottsdale has a number of social services. So uh, Most people are surprised to learn we do have poor people in Scottsdale. So it's not uh, as if we're immune from that. Uh, We have social services that uh, deal with the at-risk population, and one of the one of the things I have insisted is that as we do these budget cuts, we try as much as we can to spare those programs and to cut down on other things like uh, street maintenance or whatever, in order to not have to 
detract from those programs because you're absolutely right. As the economy gets worse, the demand for those services increases. Well, with the budget cuts, is it not um, possible that you are going to see the the best employees in in the council um, let go? Uh, and and if uh, if you look at Phoenix. Um, they certainly had huge cutbacks. Yes. Um, they have laid off thousands of people mm-hmm. um, uh, in uh, departments such as uh, uh, civil engineering, uh, town planning. They've let so many people go that, that actually they're down to a skeleton crew where they can't even deal with what they have. Once you let people go because of budget cuts, whether it's in social services or or engineering or street planning or or the police force, uh, is is again it's the the analogy of manufacturing in this country. Yeah, how are you going to pull that back if you let so many people go? How will you be able to regroup on that? Well, I think if the economy comes back to the point where you can regroup. Um, I don't think there will be any shortage of people looking uh, for those jobs because it's really not the same. The manufacturing analogy doesn't quite apply there because some things can't be outsourced. Like the guy who uh, mows the grass at the park, we can't outsource that to China. Uh, But what you can do is you can outsource it to a private contractor whose labor costs may be lower. So we'll see some of that happen. What we'll also see, I think, is we're going to see fundamental restructuring. What we have done in Scottsdale is we charged our city management and said, look, guys, we have to have a leaner city organization. And one of the things you have to spend your time on is figuring out how we can accomplish the same tasks with less. And you're going to have to lean out the organization, and you're going to have to spend a lot of time finding out where the overhead where the non-productive activities are. Uh, Like most cities, payroll is 80% of our expenditures. So people are our product. And of course, that would be the same in Phoenix or Glendale or wherever. But we have charged them and say, you're going to have to, you're going to have to find a way to do more with less. And so what that means is we don't want you to get rid of the policeman. We don't want you to get rid of the fireman. We don't want you to get rid of the code enforcement guy. And we don't want you to get rid of the guy working on the street. So you're either going to – what we want to see you get rid of more is uh, management, overhead, uh, in-house staff. IT department's going to have to get uh, leaner. They're going to have to learn to do more with less. So not that that can go on forever, but we have made a concerted effort. I think we've done a pretty good job uh, – Three years ago, Scottsdale, just a little factoid, I had the city clerk look up at this, and I had the, the city clerk calculate how many employees every city in the valley had per resident. And Scottsdale had the highest ratio of employees to residents of any city in the valley. Phoenix was second, by the way. And then I said, well, okay, let's take a look and cut out public safety. What's, where's, where are we in public safety? Well, in public safety, we were just about at the average. So what that told me is we had a lot of overhead that wasn't related to the basic function of the city. Now, some of that had to do with the fact that Scottsdale has grown so much in the last 30 years that we had a whole bunch of people come on who worked their way up through the system and are now ready to retire. So 
one of the ways that we cut back on payroll was we retired a lot of people. We also laid people off, but instead of laying off thousands like Phoenix, we laid off maybe a hundred. So, but I believe there's still room for us to become more efficient, and we have no choice. It's just going to have to happen. What is going to be um, what is going to be the mission uh, for your mayor next year? Uh, what is, what is what is he, his remit? How does he look at uh, the economy and the situation? And how do, what is his vision for Scottsdale and, and the other cities? Well, the uh, mayor and I and I. Uh, he and I are allies. I supported him in the last election. He's brand new, of course. He's been in office less than a year um, as mayor. He was actually on the council before. Uh, we have decided our number one job was dealing with the budget crisis in terms of cutting expenses. All right, that had to be done, and we're going to have to do that again. But now what we've done is we've focused on economic development and bringing, improving the Scottsdale economy specifically in Scottsdale. So we've created an economic development subcommittee, of which I'm part, um, and we are uh, beating the bushes to bring more business to Scottsdale. So the number one focus of the next year, 2010, is going to be economic development and bringing more economic development to Scottsdale. What about, what about education? Where does education come in there? Well, as I said, education uh, uh, education in Arizona, we on the city council don't get to run that. We don't get to make those decisions. Um, I'm not sure that it wouldn't be better if the system were different, but it isn't. So the, in Arizona, the education decisions are made partially by the school boards, but those folks have had so much of their authority and discretion taken away and moved to the state level that right now the critical um, the critical group for education is the state legislature and that I believe is where the education battle will be fought and and frankly I believe that those in the legislature who voted to cut education are going to are going to face some tough uh, criticism from the voters I think the role the Scottsdale City government will play is the role we've always played is we've done everything we can to help Actually, there are five different school districts that have uh, pieces of Scottsdale, and we've always done what we can to work with them and help. So we'll continue to do that. But the primary responsibility for education is at the state government level, and that's where that battle is going to be fought. But we'll do our part. Don't you think that the kids are getting a raw deal here? I mean, I have to say I'm worried about our next generation. Oh, I agree. I, I don't. Mean, I, I, yeah. I, I, I attended my daughter's school the yeah. other night. Uh, she was in a, a, a band, and I, I looked at all these wonderful children in one school, thousands of children, and I'm thinking to myself, what are these kids going to do? If you've lost manufacturing, mm-hmm. um, you lose uh, the consumer market, um, if you lose uh, real estate, and, and I can drive around Scottsdale, I, I, the, the real estate, especially commercially, mm-hmm. it, it seems to be absolutely devastated. It you is. lose all these sectors. In five years when these children come out, what do they have to look forward to? We cannot have, surely, uh, the, and I'm, I'm not being uh, critical in any way, but we cannot have a Tony Blair... 
mentality that everybody has to go to school, everybody has to go to university, as everybody has to get a, a degree. It doesn't work like that. And I worry so much with these kids that they're going to come out of schools and, and we're going to have a real social problem. And if we've got a social problem in the affluent areas, what sort of social problems are we facing up to in places like South Phoenix or, or, or downtown Los Angeles? No, you're, you're exactly correct. I will repeat what I said earlier and make it a little more uh, concise. I believe that our society is serving our children today much poor, much more poorly than we did 50 years ago when I was growing up. I believe that American society served my generation when we were children way better than we're serving the children of today. And I don't just mean in terms of money spent, as you pointed out, but in terms of the environment they're providing, the opportunities we're providing, the way we educate them, the social climate. I do believe that it's where, and I think the statistics bear that out. Crime, poverty, um, other signs of social decay. I don't think there's any question that that's true. Drug use, uh, uh, teenage uh, unwed births. I mean, whatever statistics you take, I believe that the children of today are worse off than they were 50 years ago when I grew up. There's no question. Now, in Scottsdale, they may be better off than they are in South Phoenix, but I think the overall average, speaking of that rising and lowering tide analogy, the tide has gone out. Well, shouldn't we therefore be serving the teachers more than, than, than any other sector right now? Is it not the teachers? And I forgot to mention that earlier when I was at private school. It was the teachers, the farmers, and the doctors that we, we were always yes. uh, told to, to cherish. Is it not the teachers in society now that we should be looking after? It seems to me that we're getting huge cuts across the board with teachers. Well, we are, and that's uh, uh, part, of the, uh, part of the basic problem. I don't think it's just a matter of throwing more money at teachers. I think we've actually um, degraded the teaching profession over the last 50 years because not only of the way we uh, pay them, but the social status we've given them, and they've responded accordingly. So I think we've actually – I don't think that's a problem that could be solved just by doubling teachers' salaries. I think we have to look at the way we educate teachers. I think we have to look at the way we encourage or discourage people to go into that profession. I think we have to look at the way that we organize that. But the other problem is you can't escape the fact that the teachers, whereas they're on the front lines, they're also um, – they have to deal with all these other social uh, – the effects of all the rest of this social decay, which ends up getting dumped on them because they're the ones who are on the front lines with the kids. So if the kids are experiencing social decay in their life outside the school, and then they come to school, they bring those problems with them. So the teachers then have to uh, confront that. And that's, uh, I think, a huge problem. And I'm not sure that we prepared teachers to do that. So yeah, we certainly need to improve education in terms of the obvious indicators. But at the same time, I don't think you can escape the fact that we have a larger systemic social problem which impacts on kids. Uh, obviously, we are seeing people get more desperate. Yes. Um, there's a lot more crime. Yes. Uh, and in Phoenix and Tempe and, and these cities, 
um, south and west, there's clearly a lot more break-ins and, and theft. Yes. Um, Scottsdale doesn't feel as if it's insulated from that, does it? Because surely oh, no. it's, it's going to start creeping up there. I got a call from a friend of mine yes. the other night in a gated community in Scottsdale, and he was absolutely shocked. He said, my next-door neighbor had their house literally wiped out. Yep. Um, if the economy does get so bad, uh, what do you have in place to take care of those things? Because Scottsdale is not going to be any more insulated than anywhere else, and that's probably where people are going to elevate to. Well, actually, in Scottsdale, we uh, one of the things we do well is public safety, <laughs> police and fire. Um, and our police department is acutely aware of these. If you look at the uh, if you look at the crime statistics in Scottsdale, it's always been true that in Scottsdale the the uh, highest level of crime has been property crime. You're not very likely to get murdered in Scottsdale, but you're uh, highly likely to get your house broken into. Just if you look at those, when we op- when the 101 freeway opened, we had an increase in property crime because people from other parts of the valley were able to come and sort of, you know, smash and grab in Scottsdale and use the 101 as a way to do that. Now, one of the ways that we combat in Scottsdale, and actually it's interesting, it loops back to this regional cooperation. Our police department is heavily involved in cooperating with other police departments. For instance, our police department cooperates with a gang unit that's valley-wide. So you may have Scottsdale police officers uh, making gang arrests in Maryvale mm-hmm. because they're working as part of an interagency task force that includes the state police, the county sheriff, Phoenix police, Scottsdale police, Gilbert, all that sort of thing. Um, we have been very, very uh, – one of the things that I did when I first came on board is I was part of a group that pressed for some big changes in the police department, including a new chief. Uh, who we bought in from the outside, who has been just golden. This guy has been terrific. And uh, he has really upped uh, the standard for our police department, not only in terms of the individual police officers, but our crime effort. But we certainly understand that a worsening of the regional economy will cause an increase in crime. And that's one of the reasons that we have been ill-inclined to take resources away from the police department. Uh, even though, you know, we've made cuts in other places because we understand that that's one area where we really can't uh, afford to uh, relax our vigilance, I guess, if you want to put it that way. In uh, in the closing minutes of this program, sure. uh, give us, if you would kindly, your vision, uh, your level of confidence uh, for our listeners. Um, how do you see us being able to reemerge as... A, a, a great country, uh, a country where people can believe um, uh, in their administration again, can believe in the possibilities. Well, uh, it's interesting, uh, at the, as, as we've said all through this conversation, Scottsdale cannot look at itself in isolation. We have to look at the larger state issues and eventually the larger national issues. Obviously, I don't like where the current administration is going. But I believe that one of the reasons that the current administration is in power is because the opposition, Republicans, and I am a Republican, uh, did a poor job. I think the Republican Party lost the confidence of the electorate over the last 10 years for a variety of reasons, overspending, 
uh, unpopular wars, I mean, you go on and on, so that by the time we got down to the Obama-McCain election, it wasn't even really about Obama and McCain. It was about, well, uh, we've lost confidence in the Republican Party, and therefore, you know, we're going to try something else. Well, what we tried, the something else, I think, was not an improvement. But I would not say then uh, that I am so... Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that reflexively, therefore, Republicans are the answer. I think the Republicans, if they want to be a viable opposition, have to uh, reinvent themselves to some extent and become more relevant to the American public. Well, is it not, is it not clear in a democracy that, that at the end of the day, whoever wins should be respected and, and it should be considered, well, give them a go? Yes. Uh, not, res- you know... Uh, notwithstanding who who we personally voted for, exactly, but, um, exactly, and, and it and it seems to me that that people may not be looking at it that way. Uh, it's it's uh, we we seem to have a, a, an overwhelming uh, criticism of the administration at the moment. And uh, but do you not think that we should all give them a chance here? Well, I I I think that you know you have to respect the electoral process. I, as someone who's been elected twice myself, I would say that too. And I always won by narrow margins. I certainly never felt that. Uh, uh, so yes, but at the same time, I never felt that the fact that I got elected insulated me from criticism either. Um, uh, so when I was elected in two thousand two and reelected in two thousand and six, I yes, I was elected, so I have my vote. And my vote's going to uh, uh, have that, what it, that, that whatever level of power that is. But at the same time, I never felt that that then means that I'm uh, uh, insulated from criticism. People certainly have the right to say, well, Bob, you know, yeah, you won, but I don't like this or that or the other thing. Um, the partisanship in the, uh, that you see now really is no worse than it was back with George Bush and back with George and Bill Clinton and then Bush before him and blah, blah, blah. I think American politics, certainly in the years I've been uh, an adult, has been extremely partisan. But I don't believe that's a U.S. phenomenon. I mean, you know, in other, uh, you know, in the Middle East, they shoot each other over these kind of issues. So, and certainly in Europe, you know, uh, you folks have your... uh, 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 plenty of uh, very bitter and partisan elections. That's just part of the problem with democracy. And what's that old saw? You know, democracy is the worst system there is except for all the others. I accept the fact that now I will say that the rise of, of various types of media, including yourself, makes things uh, uh, maybe increases the level of partisanship. But I think that just goes with the territory. I think it's incumbent on those of us in public office to do everything we can to move beyond that to try to focus on the problems. And I believe if we do that, we'll be successful electorally. If we don't, we'll be tossed out and we will deserve to be. But we all have a good um, reason to be confident about the future here. I feel good. I haven't moved anywhere else. I'm still here. If I didn't believe, if I didn't believe that there was hope, I wouldn't be here. And you re- do you believe that we are in a rebirth period in this country? Um, I believe that the jury's out, but I would say I'm optimistic that we'll be fine. Well, Mr. Littlefield, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. And uh, for the listeners, uh, I certainly hope uh, that you have enjoyed this as well. 
Uh, Mr. Littlefield, thank you very much. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. You're welcome. And to our listeners, uh, we do hope you've enjoyed this and uh, we'll return again for another Current Affairs program. Meanwhile, wherever you may be in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management